Welcome to the Volley Pod, where we're all about coaching kids volleyball. With drills, skills, and scenarios, we keep things fast, fun, and effective. Presented by the Art of Coaching Volleyball, the Volley Pod is your new source for coaching information. Good morning and welcome to the Volley Pod. How are you today, Todd? Davis, it's all good here in the pod. The pod cave, I'm excited to get back in with you. I got to learn some stuff into the season for us. We got to get our team better. That's the, yeah, I got to get some of your wisdom. Oh man, <laughs> we're trying out here. Everyone's getting better and everyone's coming down. It's get, coming down to it. It's exciting. Well, but then you're in, you're kind of getting ready for your season, your club season to start. So we're in these kind of opposite uh, ends of the spectrum, you know? Yeah. Well, and I love this time because I'm sort of in learning mode. And when everyone goes into playoffs, they really sort of intensify. And I go and watch and I can learn a lot. So it's really fun. No, it is. This is the time of year when, hey, it's, uh, hey, you lose. Go home. End of the season. <laughs> it's just brutal. It's just brutal around here. But we got a lot of cool stuff going on. So uh, talk to me about the JVA clinic. This so December cool. 3rd. Okay. And it's getting getting close now. We're uh, getting, you know, what, what six weeks away, something like that. Okay. And uh, we have the, the schedule is out now. And the schedule came out. And it is the topics are very cool. You're going to like some of these. Okay. Uh, we talked about, you know, Mike Lingenfelder, and he has one, one of his is leveling the playing field playing with speed. And he's the speed demon, that guy, oh, yeah. you know, his teams go fast. And even if they're I mean, he gets physical kids, but the idea that you can go fast and that can be uh, that difference to help you uh, play against more physical teams, that is fun for me. A couple others I really like. How about this one? Thinking outside the block, box when planning practice. Oh, I love that. I, that's a good one. And then the other one right now I need is training efficient defensive movement. I'm oh. watching video on my team and... I would love to say that we're efficient in all our defensive movements, but Davis, we need a little help. <laughs> I, I like it. So some of those things are going to be at the JVA clinic on December 3rd. That those are the great. topics. Those are some three of the, you know, we have a hand, you know, a bunch more topics and uh, we have a question and answer after everyone. And I get to be the moderator for that. So I'm excited to get to kind of meet some of these coaches. A couple awesome. of them I know, a couple of them I don't know, just know them by name. So I'm excited for it. That's so cool. So just so everyone knows, uh, we, are going to put a video from Mike Lingenfelder that they have on the Art of Coaching Volleyball so everyone can kind of see his style. Because oh, he's they got incredible. to check it out. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you haven't seen it, you got to go check that and, out. And I mean, there are also a number of other great coaches we haven't talked about yet, right. but well, they're wonderful. I think maybe we'll feature one every time. Yeah. So like we'll it. talk about Mike today and maybe next time we'll, we'll, uh, we'll just spread the love. I love it. I love it. Now, we have been starting to build our social network. At first, we just started. It was just a podcast. And uh, now we're starting to spread out. We got an Instagram. We got a Twitter. It would be awesome if I What are those things, out. Instagram and Twitter? You have to give me. <laughs> so it's just. He's trying to teach me about some of this. This yeah. is good. Well, and I mean, I, it's just our way of sort of blasting out. You know, when we've posted new podcasts, we put out some content there that's exclusive just to that. No, I, I'm I'm learning about these. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, I do know, I know I do know about that. I know, but that okay. gave me a chance to kind of let everyone know like what we do. It's it's pretty cool. I I just put a video on there that you can only find um, on our YouTube. I put that on our Instagram, and it's the serving golf game that I love. Um, 
but basically you can find us on Twitter at just the volley pod. Um, and that's, you can just look that up or you can find us on Instagram at aoc.thevolleypod. And um, it would be awesome if you followed us, subscribed, all those good things, because it helps us continue to make great episodes. So good stuff, Davis. Good Thanks stuff. for uh, all the work with that. I know that takes a little time and energy and I would love to say that uh, I would do it, uh, but it would be probably I'd be in my 80s by the time I got that together, and I'm I'm already old. So. Yeah, well, it's it's a labor of love, and it, but it's fun, and it's fun. So the more people can check it out, the more sort of You're we can a computer do some cool geek. Stuff. You know, I like stuff. it. Yeah. I like it. So, anyways, well, let's get into let's get, it. So, what, what do you have? I think you're starting with the skill today. I'm starting with What's the our skill? skill. The skill is timeouts. Ooh, so it's a coaching skill. It's a coaching skill, and I really think this is vital. And I'm just going to lead with taking timeouts is one of the only things coaches can do to impact the game. And so I think being able to master the use of timeouts is important. And uh, I do think I've won more than my share of games because of how I use my timeouts and um, okay. so I do think it's a little bit of a key to success and I think um, I'll give people some things to think about here the big thing is really I can't tell you when to take your timeouts I can't tell you take your timeouts at 8-7 take your timeouts when you're down two points I don't really think that those things apply in all scenarios so what I'd like to do is sort of think about a little bit more philosophically and have people think about when it's appropriate for them to take a timeout. All right. Well, where do you start? Well, the first thing I want to say is it does depend. So my biggest thing that I would tell people on when to take a timeout is take a timeout when you can do something to impact the uh, the, the, uh, outcome of the game. Okay. And so I see timeouts at 24, 17, and the team that's, you know, has 24 is not the team taking the time out it's just to me it's kind of ridiculous so i I am in complete agreement with you i i think that people save timeouts or they don't use them and given the fact that you said it's the one way we can slow things down and impact the game i think people are afraid to use them and always my thing is hey use them up yes and when in doubt use it (laughs) <laughs> right. And and one of my biggest influences when I was growing up as a coach, and I'm so honored to have had her as a, you know, as mentor was Mary Jo Pepler. And she had this guideline. If you're if you have timeouts or if you have subs left when the game is over, you did it wrong. Ah, right. OK. Now, simple, simple guidelines. I like it. It's a simple guideline. Now, I I would probably say that might be a little bit of over responding depending on the level. But the idea that you don't want to just sit there and lose, right? It's it, you got to use your timeouts when you can impact the game. Okay, so you need to have a handle on when those moments are. So knowing your team is really important. Um, most of the timeouts do not lead necessarily to an immediate side out or an immediate point. So they've done all these statistics, and it's not like you have a higher, you know, efficiency. Uh, when you can take it right everybody out. thinks it's it's the immediate gratification it's that next point oh the kids served in the net oh that was a good time right great time out coach and right then, you know fist bump. right you know and my thing is we got to take a little bit of a longer look at it and say i'm going to take a timeout, and we're going to try to win this next point but what can i do or you know say or not say sometimes that is going to allow us to win the next few points and get ourselves back on track 
Okay. And so there's a couple things that um, uh, you can do first. Don't take them too late. We were talking about this. If you take it too late, it's just kind of, it makes no sense to me. It's like taking it after the fact when the match is already um, decided. It's yeah. like you need Or take them. Because I've seen a lot of coaches who, you know, they're getting blown out. And, oh, they're so blown out. They're like, oh, it's a waste. Well, hey, when it's 4-1 or 5-0, take it. Absolutely. Right. And, um, you know, there's not one rule on when, but when you can, you can you take a timeout that will impact the game? So if I get a team that jumps out to a big lead, I might take a timeout right then because if we can't survive the beginning of the game, we're going to go into the end of the game at a disadvantage, and it doesn't matter if we have timeouts left, right? So you got to figure out how much your team can come back by. That's one thing, right? How much are the runs back and forth in the game? So if you set a, a rule in your mind, like every time they score two points, um, two real points, like serving points, I'm going to take a timeout. And that happens on the first, you know, two servers, you might be in trouble. Yep. Whereas if you have a feel for the game and it's like, okay, well, it's kind of runs of four, you know, it's kind of going back and forth and, you know, it, it depends on and the, the levels level. are different too. It, exactly. You know, if you have level. a low level and servers are going back there and going on these big runs, you know, you, I mean, but then hopefully you can sub some kids and use subs to stop things and slow yes. things down a little bit. Right. So uh, opponent runs are obviously a time when you would, you might, might want to take a timeout. Um, although I would say early in the season, you may want to let the opponent take some runs so that your team can develop some resiliency. So it's not a hard and firm, fast rule. It depends where you're at in your season. If you're scrimmaging or something, you might not take a timeout, even though it would be helpful for you to win a match, like a playoff type of match. So that's something to keep on. The other thing I would definitely say is do not rehash just went what just went wrong. Yeah. Okay. And this is so rub salt classic. into the wound. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And this is so classic. And it's essentially a recency bias. Like you're so focused on what happened recently that you can't focus on what's actually more important, which is the present and winning the next point or right. the next next point points. focus. Right. Right. So instead of focusing on that, we want to frame this. I, and I love this framing idea. And John Dunning is big on this. And, you know, can we reframe and bring them into the present? not even really mention what's gone wrong. Maybe in as a coach, you make a note to yourself, but you don't necessarily even bring it to the team. You may frame what has gone wrong as a positive on what you need to do going into the future, right? But you're not going to rehash what just went wrong, right? And then this one, I love this one. Ask them if they want a timeout. Ah, right? oh, I, I do that all the I've time. I've seen you I do like that. that. I, I like that one. Why do you like it? And then I'll, I'll, think, I'll tell you why I like it. Well, I like it. I always ask the captain, "Hey, should we take it now? Should we use it now?" And so now, wait one. And then if we if we said, "I'm, hey, that was a good decision by you," uh, what's the confidence level? There are times when the captains told me, "Yeah, we need one. We're a little rattled." And and uh, so I like it because you talk about you know sharing responsibility and you want leadership. Uh, hey, I'll listen to them. You know, they have a feel for what the court feels like more than I do so well and that's the that's why I like it is it starts to develop a feel from them about the match right like sometimes I, I feel like they don't even notice and points are just flying by and it's right. just like they're not really aware of the score and and how things are going so it, it provides that feedback to them should we you know should we take a time out and it empowers them yeah. like you said I, and so I really like that I'm not going to do that every time but I'll do no, that sometimes no there are yeah. times when yeah 
and um, your timeouts have to be used well. Like, you know, if there are times not to say anything, but there are times where if you don't say anything, it will appear as if there's a weakness, right? So people will be looking to you to, to lead them, and that's an opportunity. So if you're going to take a timeout, you know, use it well and have a plan. And that goes into my sort of final points here. So you, you might want to make some systematic tactical tweaks as you take timeouts, but in club, you only get 30 second timeouts, which is actually pretty dumb if you think about it as far as, you know, impacting the match. You're not going to do a ton in that time period. So you got to have them run over, grab their water. You know, they need a little system on how they do timeouts. Either everyone huddles or they break into the positions or whatever it is. They need a little system and that needs to happen really quickly. And then they need to reframe very quickly too. So reframe and bring themselves present. And that's probably more important than anything you can say to them. So I would love to see coaches feeding their self-belief because often runs are happening when you're just they're mentally drained, their belief is going down, that type of thing. That's where I think it'd be really impactful for a coach to feed them. And you can say stuff like, this is so fun. You know, look at this great challenge we're in. And, you know, hey, don't you love this? This team is good. Like, right, we're battling. And you can frame everything in a positive way that I think is going to be really awesome. And See, I like that framing in a timeout where you're taking something going, hey, we're going to be better because we're facing adversity. Absolutely. And that's, hey, good team. You don't become a good team never playing teams that take the lead against you. Yep, absolutely. You want to become a good team, you got to fight. You got to fight, exactly. And, you know, I've said this exact line, and I love this. This is a, this is a reframing line that I, anyone, please steal this. If I told you we were only going to be two points down with a chance for a win against a really good team in this tournament, we would be so stoked. So let's go for it. Right. Sometimes the the weight of the the points that they're losing and the right. frustration, all that weighs on them. Right. Right. So reframing, I just love it. And then um, finally, one of the important things about a timeout is can we settle back into our norms? Right. So this idea of how are uh, how pumped up, I guess, are they? Are they too pumped? Are they not pumped enough? And I think you can kind of try to get them there. Now, some coaches say, and, and actually put a video on here that says, don't be emotional with your timeouts. And I would tend to disagree with that. I, I don't disagree with the sentiment, meaning I think a lot of young coaches go overboard and they're just too emotional. Right. right. This idea that, oh, you guys are flat. You got to get fired up. Yes. You know, it, that type of stuff. <laughs> so I think I probably said that, did that as a young coach. So luckily... I'm getting old and I forget that I used to do that. So I, I can't remember, but I probably did. Right. And rarely is it getting fired up going to be the thing, but sometimes it is. Sometimes your team's flat, you know? Well, it, but I just don't think telling them to fire up is the, is the I would is, agree with yeah. that too. But I think if a coach can have a gauge on that, maybe they can be a little bit more aware. I would say the best coaches manipulate the emotion of their team to, to the degree that they need it. And so that's the mastery effect and that's the art of it. So it's not just you come out and you're flat and you just give them emotion. Yeah. You know, you need to know what they need from you as a leader. 
So using emotion to your advantage in a timeout. I'll throw one more thing in there. And that is, I'm a huge huddle guy. You know me, I'm a huge huddle guy. So we talk about emotion. We talk about, you know, emotional connection in the huddle. So, hey, can you sprint in the huddle and make eye contact? So there are behaviors there that are specific that we can focus on a timeout rather than when I was a young coach going, you guys got to fire up, you know, (laughs) staying and stuff like that is just so, it seems so stupid. Yes. No, I love it. And I'll leave you with two quick things. Can we alleviate panic, right, from our teams? A lot of times they're panicking, and that's why they're giving up points. Can we do do deep breath stuff? Deep breaths, absolutely. Yes, and I I go, let's let it trickle down my crane. Oh, <laughs> Take the breath, let's and then it's corny, <laughs> but it's kind of gets them out of that. that well, and you know. it's another wacky thing that you say as a coach that they can kind of take out and laugh about, right? And then the other thing is, has anyone ever used the double timeout? Because you know you can take back-to-back timeouts. Ooh, and, the double timeout. And, and sometimes you need a little more than 30 <laughs> seconds. Double so, it up. Anyways, that's the skill. Timeouts, I think it's a big deal. And um, I'm glad we got to talk about it. So we're on to the scenario. The scenario so today, I, I, I'd love to say that this is original, but I'm going to be honest and say that I ripped this off. Just okay. stole it right from uh, <laughs> volleyball coaches and trainers this week. Okay. And it was uh, a little scenario that one of the uh, members posted, and it got 102 responses. Oh, wow. So got a bunch of responses. Here's the – let me give you the scenario. This high school coach has a rule for all our teams in a high school program that you can't miss practice before the competition or their consequences. And this coach had consequences that for if you missed a practice, then you would be out one complete rotation at the start of the next match. If you miss consecutive practices, then it would be two full rotations. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. So hard and fast rule. Okay. Hard and fast rule. So I can wait. That's the rule. Okay. That's the rule. Of course, into the season. They have a playoff game on a Monday, which is because it's kind of a funky thing. They have a Monday playoff game. So they have a practice on Friday and Saturday. Two of their best players are multi-sport athletes who are softball players who have a softball showcase. So now this coach, after having this rule and being, you know, a proponent of it all year and it's through their program. Now, all of a sudden she's looking at, wait a minute, these players are going to miss two practices, two of their best players. They're looking at ending their season because of this rule. Mm. So I'm going to throw it to you. What are your thoughts, Davis? Oh man. So I think a little differently than I think a lot of people do on this. I, I don't, well, there's, I, I, I don't, you not. might be surprised maybe because not. there's, they're on, I mean, I told you there were 102 Responses. and there were a bunch of different yeah. places that people right. came from. So I'm not a big black and white rule guy. And I'm not big on having a ton of rules in general because of this exact situation where they pin me into a corner and I don't want to be pinned into a corner as a coach. And I know that sometimes that can affect the learning of the player, but I also believe that there's the good of the program. And so I have really mixed feelings about it. That's why I'm glad you brought it up, but this is a tough one. I would lean towards not having that rule (laughs) essentially in the first place. And, you know, but maybe in this situation, I'd probably follow it because that's what I'd already set up. Okay. 
Well, let me get tell yeah. you what. Uh, yeah, what so, they do. So, you know, BJ kind of runs. He He's one of the, the moderators yeah. of that site. BJ so yeah. he came out and he said, hey, don't make rules that force you into corner. He was right with you. Okay. He's all, hey, why should we be? And then there were a bunch of other comments. Why should we be punishing multi-sport athletes when I thought we want to encourage athletes to play other sports? So okay. there were a bunch of sentiments along those lines. Okay. On the other hand, yeah, there was my sense. There were my sentiments, Davis. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. There were some others. And the other side, hey, as leaders, our values are truly tested when the decisions become more difficult and the consequences more impactful. Great point. So this coach is looking and going, wait a minute, I had this rule all year. It seemed like a great rule. But now all of a sudden I have these consequences that are big consequences. Am I going to waver? Or am I going to teach, do we have life lessons for kids that are, hey, when you have values, you test your values in situations when there are difficult consequences mm-hmm. that you have to, you have to face right. in these situations. So that was another piece of what happened on the website. And then I'll okay. give you my take finally. Okay. I have a rule that is actually tougher than this rule. Okay. My high school rule, and I just do it with varsity. I don't do it with the other levels. You miss practice before a match for any reason, and you don't play in the first set. So you're sick, recruiting trip, any anything volleyball-related, non-volleyball-related, sport, grandma's funeral, anything, it doesn't matter. That is, that's tough. Well, yeah. and my feeling is this, is, and once again, uh, perspective. And if you take it that this is a punishment, a lot of people on the site were looking, oh, you're punishing these kids. I'm going, wait a minute. There's another perspective. How about the person who comes to practice and is there? So I don't see this, hey, we're not punishing you. And we tell kids this early. This isn't a punishment. We value practice. We want this to be meaningful. And if you miss it, it's like missing class. You have to make it. I mean, it's hard to make up. You know, like a class where you can read the stuff. Sometimes you can't make it up and and it's hard to make up a practice. And if a person is there and you're a sub, then you get to go play for that person. And so it's an opportunity for that person. And it it backs up that value we have of, hey, practice is important. So rather than a punishment, no, we're reinforcing the fact that practice is important and the people that are there. They have their opportunity to play. And hey, if we lose the first set because of that, hey, so be it. Um, okay. But I, I think it's there's another way to look at it. And I will say that I have built some flexibility into this over the years. Okay. And so we say, hey, you miss practice or you have to make it up. So we'll and we'll make that makeup difficult. So it's right. not easy. So we'll go, well, wait a minute. You were at your softball showcase. You got to come in at 5 a.m. on Monday and come over and do some serve and pass and go through the scouting report. If you want to do that, hey, then I'll play you. That's fine. Like but something that. like that was we go, oh, wow, she has to get up at 5 o'clock to do this. So there's at least something there where you miss the practice where I, like I did build some flexibility in for those times. I, like that. I don't like to say, I mean, in general, I won't offer that opportunity unless it's we're in cases maybe like this coach where hey your season depends on it and i think that's a little different so uh i kind of cheated where i'm playing kind of both ends like wait a minute 
it's a black and white rule but i got a little gray <laughs> in there <laughs> if i need it because you can make up the frack right okay so uh, cool. but i think that's a kind of a cool scenario though absolutely and i think it it challenges our values right and yep. that's important yep. right and i like it so Right on. Well, I think we're on to our videos now. What do you have for the timeouts? It's kind of a weird one, huh? So timeouts is not really videos per se. It's more discussions. They're, they're videos, but they're discussions. But the AOC has this stuff. That's what's cool about it. Exactly. Huh? And the first one is the art of the timeout. And it's actually just a, a blog, essentially, um, by Debbie Niffen, who is an Iowa State middle blocker. And it's the art of the timeout. And I really like this because I really do think it's an art. It is not a science. There's no stats on when the ideal time to take a timeout is, you gotta really have a feel on your team. Uh, the next video is keeping it simple and unemotional with Terry Laskevich, the legend. And uh, you know, we talked about his point and I, and I don't disagree with it. I think it's a good way to go keep yourself level-headed um, when you become masterful, you can sort of manipulate the energy a little bit and more. I think, and I think as you coach better and better players, and once again, Terry was a national team coach for, I mean, I, I think, you know, manipulating those emotions at high levels, I think you have to be careful about that. You Absolutely. can lose some, some yes. respect from, from experienced players. I think if you have 12 year olds, you can play around with their that emotional level a little more than maybe if you're coaching somebody who's been playing on the national team for a decade. I think that's a great point. And that's what it leads into this third video. What should players, or, or, I'm sorry, coaches say to a slumping player, right? And this idea of manipulating their emotions sounds negative. So I don't want to be, I don't want this idea to be that we're, you know, doing something that they don't want, right? We've sort of are reminding them of some things that they do want, right? And, right. I, and I like that idea. And his idea on here is just, you can't really say anything to a slumping player that's gonna magically fix them, Yeah. right? Maybe say, I believe in you, you know, we trust you and we think you're gonna do great in this situation. Right, and we've we talked about back. regression to the mean uh, all the time. So hey, every, the best players in the world have little times and glitches where they slump and they come out of it just like you will. And it's just yeah. not, it's, it's really not, it's, it's not if it's when, so yeah. it's going to happen. Exactly. And, and you sort of give them that confidence and just move right on. Yeah. So those are the videos. And like I said, we'll also have that Mike Lingenfelder video on there. If you want to check out his coaching style, that'll be really cool. That'll be in the show notes. But before we go, we have an awesome resource that everyone should check out. And we're going to talk about it. What do we got? Well, this is a book that's been around for a little while, but it's it's an important one, I think, for coaches of all sports. And it's uh, Grit, Angela Duckworth. And this is a, a kind of seminal, it's become a seminal text. And there's actually awesome. been some, uh, uh, I think, little kind of... Uh, some some people kind of going against some of it's been kind of like some uh bounce back or something or you yeah. know against some of her ideas but i still think a bunch of the stuff's super important so uh i have uh a couple i items from grit and we'll have the website for for the book it's angela duckworth uh who i think she taught at ivy league school or something and did this work and uh so couple things I'm going to mention. Uh, her definition of talent, the ability to improve incredibly fast. Mm, I like that a lot. Kind of interesting, right? That is. The yeah. ability to improve incredibly fast. 
And there are two components that she has for high achievers. Number one is consistency of effort over time, this idea of perseverance, mm -hmm. which is part of this grit. And then consistency of focus or interest, interest over time, which is passion. So it's mm -hmm. the two Ps, perseverance and passion that. that lead to this idea of improving incredibly fast. So, so cool. uh, that perseverance note is that effort exerted even after small failures. Uh, so that consistency of effort, but also consistency of focus. And then the best understand that it's a marathon and not a sprint. Oh. And I'll leave us with that as far as the, uh, the Angela sense. Duckworth grit. Oh man, there's so much good stuff in there, right? Everyone should check that out for sure. What a great episode. We talked about using timeouts. We talked about rules and sort of black and white versus gray, right? We shared some videos that everyone can check out. That'll be unlocked in the show notes on the Art of Coaching Volleyball's website. And we shared the resource, Angela Duckworth's Grit. Once again, what a fun episode, Ty. Good to see Great you. Great stuff, Davis. I appreciate all your wisdom. It's good stuff. Absolutely. Please check us out on our social media, on Instagram at aoc.thevolleypod and on Twitter at thevolleypod. Have a good one. Bye-bye.